Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? I'm a little jealous, Amy. Why? Why are you jealous? Because you got to go to the fair last night, and I didn't, because you were in Raleigh, and I'm not. I did. North Carolina State Fair. It was great, as always. Typically, you know, the kids, they do all, they do the rides. They they meet up with friends. Well, I'm way they too go, old for the rides. Yeah. Those things, they make me sick. Yeah. So, Keith and I take the kids. We usually give one or two friends of theirs a ride, and then they meet up with other friends from church and, and stuff. And then that that's what they do with their friends. And Keith and I walk around. We look at uh, giant pumpkins and uh, this old working uh, to fl- tobacco barn that does flu-cured tobacco. We go look at that, and and we eat. That's it. That's awesome. It was great. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So I, I did not get to go to the, even the Wilson County Fair this year because of scheduling issues. So that hurts. And I don't know when the Tennessee State Fair is, and I've never been to that one. So uh, who it's knows? It's not. So Tennessee is really different from a lot of other states. The county fairs are much more popular and exciting than the state fair. So yeah. Yeah. it's it's That's what different. I've gathered. Right. So, and and oh well. so I grew up never going to the state fair, but I went to my county fair every year. So the Cheatham County Fair. Robertson County Fair actually. Oh. Well, yeah, we'll go ahead and, and correct that. The state fair here though is really phenomenal and every year I I like to try something different. This year though, I tried the pumpkin funnel cake with cream cheese icing and it's making me think that I'm I might not do do something different next year. I may just have to go back and get the same thing. It was phenomenal. That sounds good. Awesome. Yes. Well, I wonder if we'd ever thought about having like a fair at the SBC annual meeting. Oh, like with rides and stuff? Yeah. It's more of a well, carnival should... though, than a fair. Yeah. You want to run that up by Bill Towns and see what he thinks? Yeah, you should suggest that. Yeah, we'll see what see happens. See what he thinks. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I doubt that'll happen. But anyway, let me let me see what he says, and I'll, I'll report back next week. But Amy, a big week this week in the SBC, especially over at Southwestern, where they inaugurated Adam W. Greenway as their ninth seminary president. Yeah. Knew her, I knew of a lot of people that were headed that way. Obviously, Dr. Floyd was there, and uh, Dr. Aiken from here in my hometown uh, we're representing various SBC entities. I think all the entity heads made it. Yeah, seems like it was a big celebration. Yeah, it was. So there's a great story and some uh, some pictures over at Baptist Press. Also, there's a, a lot more pictures and a couple of more full stories over at the seminary website. You can check that out, swibits.edu. That's swbts.edu. And uh, they've got a lot more coverage of that over there. You can also watch the entire thing. Uh, we tweeted that out uh, from a couple of our accounts earlier this week, but uh, they put that online. So if you're interested in going back and watching the inauguration service, which was fantastic, you can do that over at uh, their website or just find that on social media. But also uh, a couple of other things. They had a trustee meeting this week. We'll get to that in just a minute. But also passed a faculty resolution, which is something I don't think I've seen in my time at the SBC, a uh, faculty resolution that, that comes from the faculty, but these were affirming their colleagues, the faculty passed this, affirming their colleagues, Dr. Terry Stovall and Dr. Katie McCoy. Right. Well, so faculty resolutions can be a normal thing, but they're usually sort of planned out. We had them at Southeastern, but they were always for something like 
the 10th anniversary of Dr. Aiken yeah, or those something. those kind of resolutions. Right. Yes. So it was very planned and framed and, you know, all this stuff. But in terms of a impromptu, we want to make a statement as a faculty. Goodness, I haven't heard about anything like that for over 20 years. So. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. So, yeah. So it was kind of a big deal and it revolved around a email that surfaced this week calling into question the credentials of Drs. McCoy and Stovall. And so the resolution itself uh, read, I move that the faculty of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary express its great appreciation for Dr. Terry Stovall and Katie McCoy for their theological orthodoxy, their contribution to scholarship, their positive conduct during trying times, and their Christ-like leadership within the seminary community. We ask the president to use this resolution for public record as he deems fit. It was written and uh, moved by uh, Malcolm Yarnell, who's a professor over at Southwestern as well. And and Dr. Greenway went on to say that he wanted to publicly affirm Dr. Stovall and McCoy and denounce in the strongest terms any attacks on their qualifications for service at Southwestern. He said he wants to publicly communicate in the strongest terms his total confidence in these two scholars. As an institution, Southwestern is committed to equipping and empowering God-called women for more faithful kingdom service, including teaching and leading in the academy. Yeah, that was a very strong statement and interesting to watch. And I I just want to say, as we're talking about this, I think Terry Stovall and Katie McCoy are two really incredible professors there. I have a lot of respect for both of them, have gotten to know them in the last uh, couple of years. And so I think this was a great opportunity for the faculty to affirm their character, and their work. And that wasn't all that was going on at Southwestern. Also had trustee meeting this week. During the meeting, a lot happened at this one because they elected a lot of faculty who had come over under presidential appointment. We'll get to them in a minute. But uh, they also voted to name the building formerly known as the Baptist Heritage Center. Uh, That was the center that Dr. Patterson had commissioned uh, that was intended for them to have as a retirement home uh, that we've covered in the past here on the podcast Uh, But that is now known as the Carroll House in honor of the Southwestern Seminary founder and first president, B.H. Carroll. They also approved a new master's degree and received and accepted financial statements for the previous fiscal year. Faculty announcements. Amy, I'm going to let you do these. You know a lot of these guys. Uh, I do, too. But I'm going to let you uh, go through all these faculty announcements and promotions because there's quite a few of them. Yes. So there were a lot of elections. All of these people were already there serving under presidential appointments. So this was kind of a category change uh, as far as their their status to be elected faculty. So Joseph Kreider, elected dean and professor of church music and worship in the School of Church Music and Worship. David Dockery, elected distinguished professor of theology. Travis Kearns, elected associate professor of apologetics and world religions. Charles Lewis, elected professor of church music and worship. John Massey, who already is uh, Associate Professor of Missions, was elected Dean of the Roy J. Fish School of Evangelism and Missions. Chris Shirley, elected Professor of Educational Ministries. Michael Wilder, elected Professor of Educational Ministries and Dean of the Jack D. Terry Jr. School of Educational Ministries. And then Gregory Wills, elected Research Professor of Church History and Baptist Heritage. And then they had a few promotions. Uh, Robert Caldwell, from Associate Professor to Professor, and that's in Church History. Paul Hoskins, promoted from Associate Professor to Professor 
in New Testament, and Eric Mitchell promoted from associate professor to professor of Old Testament and archaeology. And those are all effective immediately. So congratulations to all of those people on their elections and promotions. They also approved the recommendation from the Academic Administrative Committee to create a Master of Music and Worship Leadership over in the School of Church Music and Worship. That was the uh, the degree program that they added that we mentioned. They also approved a new investment management agreement with Guidestone Financial Services. So they had been managing their own foundation through the Southwestern Seminary Foundation, and now Guidestone will manage those investments for the seminary. And, And as the story says here, it is a new day at Southwestern Seminary, Amy. A lot going on this week over there. Yeah, busy meeting for them. Yeah. Not the only trustee report we have this week. Over to Gateway we go, where Jeff Orge reported gains in enrollment out there of 9.4% increases from fall of last year to fall of this year in enrolled hours system-wide. So uh, that's fantastic. And they also saw a 12.3% increase in hours in Ontario and a 19% increase in online course hours. So uh, some, some good growth out there at Gateway, Amy. Yeah, and it even pointed out that the revenue from tuition has exceeded the budgeted amount. So their growth exceeded their expectations. They they didn't plan on on this much. So that's really really good news for Gateway as well as uh, an increase in some donors, so people supporting the work there at Gateway, which sounds like they had a lot of great news to report. Yes, and and this is something we've been watching over the last few years as they've moved from the San Francisco area down to Los Angeles. We all wondered, well, you know, will the school be able to survive? Will it be able to thrive in that environment? And Dr. Orge has been saying the entire time, hey, it's going to be bumpy for a while Mm -hmm. in the transition. But once we get there, once we get settled, we'll be poised for growth. And that's exactly what's happened. He has led extremely well throughout the transition from San Francisco in the Mill Valley area down there to Ontario in the Los Angeles area. So congratulations to him and Gateway on this growth and a a stronger future than even they expected. Yes. All right, Amy, to your deck of the woods, some big news out of Wake Forest this week. You've got a new faculty member over at Southeastern. Yeah. So this announcement dropped this week. It, it, It was an interesting day to be here at Southeastern, but to not be in the communications office uh, because the response was overwhelming. And uh, I kind of enjoyed just watching it from the outside. And of course, lots of uh, excitement for Keith and his colleagues as they get ready for a new faculty member. Karen Swallow Pryor will be joining Southeastern Seminary as full time research professor of English and Christianity and culture beginning fall semester of 2020. She'll be the first research professor ever at the college and, um, and really will, will kind of hone in on the English department there. She will teach some at the graduate and doctoral levels because she has some expertise in Christianity and culture, but English obviously is her uh, passion and main area. And so it's going to do something really great there for the college. Yes, absolutely. And I must say, Amy, her picture and her story may be the most on-brand headshot of anyone I've ever seen. Oh, her headshots are always on brand. I love, one of the things I love about Dr. Pryor is that she just, she knows who she is and she just owns it. 
and it always it always comes out in photos and things. And I am a big fan personally and as a reader of who she is. I think she's just a really, really wonderful person. Absolutely. So I've not met her. You have. Uh, right. But I, we have a lot of mutual friends, obviously, and she's written for B&H. She's and Lifeway. She's, uh, you know, been done a lot of stuff with the ERLC over the years. So a uh, very familiar name to Southern Baptists and congratulations to Karen and Southeastern. Some other transitions, Amy. Tim Doughty, the senior pastor at Eagles Landing First Baptist Church in McDonough, Georgia, announced that he is headed to the Georgia Baptist Mission Board to serve as the lead strategist in pastor wellness. So congratulations to him on that transition. Also up in the BCNE, which is the Baptist Convention of New England, Russ Rathier was installed as a regional coordinator for Vermont. So they've got kind of regional coordinators for each state. And Raythier is going to be over Vermont. He's been pastoring Washington Baptist Church in Washington, Vermont since 2011. And over in Oklahoma, Mark Dance, a former colleague of mine over at Lifeway, is headed to Oklahoma to join the BGCO as their new Director of Pastor Development and Regional Ministry Partner for East Central Oklahoma. So uh, Mark's done a lot with pastors around the SBC. We'll be doing that now specifically in Oklahoma and helping them out as they connect with pastors around the state. So some transitions there and some other great news here from state conventions doing things to really help their states. BCNE, we talked about them just a minute ago, the Baptist Convention of New England. They started an addiction ministry support team. Uh, we've we've heard about opioid addictions and the issues, especially in the Northeast, uh, New Hampshire, Vermont. Those are states that are really having issues with that. Um, and they have started a addiction ministry up there in the Baptist Convention of New England. And Samuel Arroyo Bredin will work with New England churches and uh, help them start those in their own local contexts. Excellent. That's really great. Uh, always, always good to see some of these needed ministries and we especially when we identify some challenges that are out there in the culture and then we see things that are developed to help with that uh, it's just great we passed a resolution about this a couple of years ago at the SBC annual meeting so uh, it's something that Austin and Baptists have said this is an important thing for us and the BCNE jumping right into that also down in Alabama this one was really encouraging to see Amy the leaders of the Alabama Baptist which is the newspaper down there, the Baptist paper. Jennifer Rash is the the editor and uh, Alabama Baptist Historical Commission that they decided in early October that they needed to consider background checks on all staff and board members. And so this is just something that we consider vulnerabilities that are out there, protections that need to be in place, that they looked and said, this is something that we don't have in our personnel policies and we need to. So they're going to run checks on all new staff and board members being considered after January 1st. And they're following the lead of the State Board of Missions on this. So, yes, good development. Yeah, and, and- We've, we've seen this come up again, you know, talking about from a national level, we've seen this with some motions made about trustees and having trustees be background checked. So a lot of the states are seeing that and saying, hey, this is important to us too. We're going to start enacting this in our states. So fantastic news from Alabama. And now over to New Mexico, where Joe Bunce, the executive director at the Baptist Convention of New Mexico, announced this week he will be retiring effective February 2021, following 15 years of service as the state's lead missionary. 
Yes. So he announced that during his executive director's report at the BCNM annual meeting, which was held at Central Baptist Church in Clovis. We we got this news this week and we were a little surprised. So it was kind of the big the big thing of the day earlier in the week. And they will begin implementing a succession plan in January 2020 when the mission board has its next quarterly meeting. So Bunce has been there. He will have been there 15 years and whenever he retires, like we said. So uh, a well-known leader in New Mexico, obviously, as the state exec. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb, Amy, and I don't have any inside information on this. I'm going to say that this won't be the only state exec retirement announcement we get at this year's annual meetings. Well, that's you're probably right about that. I, and I, I just, would say... I, I, don't, I don't know why I'm, you know, I don't know where it would come from. I have, like I said, I have no inside info on this. But I'm just going to say that that's not the only one. It might just be based on the fact that over the last few years, we've had more than one retirement yeah, announcement. I, I think that's what it's based on, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you, if you got 41, 41 meetings out there, your chances are you're going to have more than one. Yes. But congratulations to Joe on his tenure at uh, New Mexico. We'll, we'll probably cover this again in about 15 months, whenever the transition does take place. All right. We mentioned the state meeting in New Mexico. We don't have a, a report from that yet, but we do have some other reports, Amy. We have three of them. We start in Kansas, Nebraska. Yeah, so Kansas, Nebraska held their twin, their annual meeting at Parkview Baptist Church in Lexington, Nebraska. They adopted a budget of $3,959,316. That's about 2% above the 2019 budget. And they increased their cooperative program, giving half a percentage point. So that sends 29.5% of receipts to national CP causes. And they also elected officers of Voight Lynn, the pastor of First Baptist Church of Douglas, Kansas, was elected as the president. He'd serve as vice president the past two years. David Martinez, the associate pastor at Northern Heights Baptist Church in Norfolk, Nebraska, is the new vice president. He's the first Hispanic elected to a Kansas, Nebraska Convention of Southern Baptist office. So that's exciting up there. Other officers, Brian Jones, a pastor of Tyler Road Southern Baptist Church, was elected as recording secretary. Assistant recording secretary, Susan Peterson, who's a member of Prairie Hills Southern Baptist Church in Augusta, Kansas. And Tony Mattia was elected again as the historian. He's the pastor of Trinity Baptist in Wamego, Kansas. I know that's that's the job that Amy wants, is the historian election. Absolutely. Yes. I would love to talk to some of these state commissioners We need to meet Tony. Have- how have we yeah, not met Tony? I don't know, but I want to talk to some of these places where they elect a historian, and I'm curious as to what the historian does, what the historian does during the annual meeting, during the rest of the year. Do they keep stuff at their house? What? You know, I, I think this could be interesting. Tony's probably a avid listener, so Tony, get in touch with <laughs> us. We'll have you on the show. Get him You're going to we'll laugh talk. if he is. I mean, maybe he will reach out to us. And then we can find out what he what all he does. And I'd love to get more history. We have we have a great number of listeners, Amy. It's entirely possible that yes. he's one of them. I hope so. So they will hold their 2020 meeting next year and celebrate the 75th anniversary of the Kansas Nebraska Convention of Southern Baptists. So that'll be a big. Well, oh, that's one. exciting. Yeah. yeah, over in Salina next year at the Webster Conference Center. Well, that does it for Kansas, Nebraska, over to another two-state convention, Utah, Idaho, Amy, where they celebrated that over the past five and a half years, 
they have planted 56 churches. That's that's like 10 a year, Amy. That's amazing. That's pretty great. Um and especially for for a pioneer state for something that is, you know, not not one of the ones in the in the south. They had 107 messengers from 46 churches. That was 61 messengers from Idaho and 46 from Utah. And they approved a $1,809,764 budget for 2020. And they increased their cooperative program giving in terms of what they send on to the national level, increased it by one percentage point to get it to 30%. And that was a goal they had set for 2020. And uh, they they met it. So that's yeah. really exciting. And one of the neat things they do out there in Utah, Idaho, if they have a budget overage, right, they go to 50-50 at that point. That's right. Their overage is 50-50 to send to national. Elections out there in Utah, Idaho. Good friend of the pod. Seriously. Brian Catherman elected as president of the convention. So I know Brian. He's a good friend. We, we hung out. Brian served on the actually uh, on the committee on committees last year from Utah, Idaho. And I've known him. Our church partners with his church to help plant it. My son went out on a mission trip to his church this past year. Oh, very year. cool. And uh, so Brian's a good friend. He was just, uh, we had him and his family over to the house a couple of weeks ago when he was in town here in Nashville. So congratulations to Brian Catherman. We need to have him on the podcast to talk about ministering in a Mormon context because it's a fascinating look at what is almost like a, a Muslim context in the United States uh, as far as the dynamics and the spiritual dynamics in that area. So uh, he's, he's a church planner in Salt Lake City. So I need to get him on the podcast, but he was elected the president of the Utah-Idaho Southern Baptist Convention. Corey Hodges elected vice president. Second vice president was Jared Jenkins and Roger Naylor was elected as the recording secretary. Very cool. They also did two resolutions, one in appreciation to the local... Uh, of course. To, ...to the church that was hosting it, but also a resolution on uh, speaking out on behalf of our unborn neighbors, is what they said. So it was on the issue of abortion in Utah and Idaho, and uh, said they declare the human baby in the womb as precious, miraculous, valuable, and welcome neighbors in our communities. So help us, God, for the glory of God. Uh, so that was kind of their major statement. All right. Well, we're going to head one state to the west, Amy, just to the left there, to Nevada, and they had 142 messengers from 61 of the state's 204 churches at their event. Uh, this one was just, just a couple of weeks ago. And they elected Damian Serencioni as the president for his second term. And Serencioni was unopposed. And Tim Royal was elected as vice president of the convention. They also passed a budget of $1.5 million dollars and change, which was an increase of about $47,000 over last year. They are a 50-50 state, so 50% of their income from cooperative program receipts gets passed on to national causes, and 50% of it stays in the state. They also included, Amy, for the first time, a line item for church planting. Oh, that's really cool. So that just shows a, a priority there in Nevada not just to talk about it and get excited about it, but to say this is something we're going to really get behind. They have a Sin City in the state. That's Las Vegas. Sin, S-E-N-D, city there in the state. Uh, it's been called a lot of other things, but in the Southern Baptist world, it is a Sin City. Sin. Uh, Sin. Yes. But they also shared that the baptisms were up by 15.3% compared that's with big. a 3% national decline 
over the past year. So church attendance increased by 19.6% in the state compared with the reported 0.43% decline nationally. So some growth in Nevada. Yes, a couple interesting things I note in this story. The nomination speech for Damon Damian Serencioni, which, as you said, was unopposed, was made by Kathy McAdoo. She's a member at Calvary Baptist Church in Elko, and uh, she is the first woman at the Nevada Baptist Annual Meeting ever to have nominated someone for president. So got up there, made a nomination speech. I know Kathy. She used to serve on the Committee on Order of Business for the Southern Baptist Convention, and so I worked with her there as uh, one of the parliamentarians, and she is a really, really wonderful lady. So that was kind of cool just to see that that she did that, made a nomination speech, and uh, it was kind of a landmark. and And it was and it was kind of a big deal. She was a first. They also did a, a few resolutions, one expressing appreciation, but also had a, a resolution on child safety and sexual abuse, and then one that. Uh, that said, let us put away every form of racism and discrimination and seek racial diversity in our churches. So that just shows what Nevada Baptists really wanted to speak out on this year. Finally, we have some sad news from the International Mission Board. Former missionary Andy Leninger, who served in the Soviet Union for 22 years, passed away uh, just a couple of weeks ago from a long battle with cancer. So I had an aggressive cancer that caused a brain tumor. It's glioblastoma multiforme. And uh, he passed away on October the 13th in Missouri. So our thoughts and prayers out to the Leninger family and all of those at the IMB uh, on this loss. So that's going to do it for our news this week. That brings us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, floor minds. So we're going to go to 1952 because I just want to give a little comparison here. We've been talking for a few weeks about annual meeting stuff, site visits, you know, hotel reservations opening, things like that. And thinking about all the work that goes into preparing for an annual meeting, obviously our colleague at the executive committee, Bill Towns, and his staff work very hard as well as the local arrangements committee in the state where it is. But in 1952, there was a press release in Baptist Press, October 27th, about the committees that had been announced to make preparation for the Southern Baptist Convention. So this would have been in a time when you didn't have quite the staff that you do or technology allowing for things. And so the local committees were very important. And I just found it interesting to see all the different committees that they had of people. So they had, this was a list of the chairmen, but I, want to, I just want to talk through the committees themselves. There was a reservations committee, so that would be for hotels. An entertainment committee, not really sure if that's supposed to be like entertainment at the meeting or helping people connect with local things to do, I'm not really sure. Auditorium committee, finance committee, that's easy, music Registration committee, which we still have one of those, a publicity committee, a radio and television committee, displays. So that would be like things, you know, our friend Allison Young works on, on a lot of that on, on the exhibit hall. Yeah. 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 Breakfasts and luncheons. There was an usher committee. There was a pulpit supply committee, which I guess was helping pastors, you know, coming into town find places. Then this is my favorite one. Committee in charge of providing homes for messengers who desire to stay in private homes committee. They should have come up with an acronym for that. The C-C-P-H-M-W-D-S-P-H. Yes. And 
Just rolls right off the tongue. Yes, and the first aid committee. And then it said, Chairman of the Committees on Flowers, Nursery, Check Room, Information, Conference Rooms, and Mass Meetings are yet to be announced. So I just want to give a hats off to Bill Towns and his staff and to the Local Arrangements Committee, which is much smaller than all of these, to say we now see all the different things that you do and all that it took back in 1952 to execute this and what a great job with a, a, a small team um, because they were talking about all of this stuff this week in SBC history. That's 20 committees, Amy. 20. Can I just say that one committee again? That sounds exhausting. One? Committee in charge of providing homes for messengers who desire to stay in private homes. And I should probably give a, a disclaimer here that Bill Towns and his staff and the local arrangements committee, neither of them are providing homes for messengers who desire to stay in private homes. You're going to have to do Airbnb for that. That's Or reach out to your friends. That is not a service that is provided by anyone now. But Maybe we can look into it. I think that, that fits in the Associate Vice President for Convention Communications Office. Oh, goodness. I, I would... I would mess that up completely. I would send someone to the wrong address. I would do something, I'm sure. And then people would have, people in Orlando would have someone knock on the door and be like, no, we don't have anything planned for someone to stay here. And so you don't want me in charge of that. Yeah, I think I figured out the entertainment committee. Boyd Hunt was in charge of setting up the karaoke machine. Oh, you think so? No, I don't think so. Not really. It could have been like things to do in town. I don't know. But yeah. it yeah. took a lot. It's Houston after all, right? It was Houston, yeah. is that right? Yeah, Houston. Yeah. So there's a lot to do in town. Right. But it took a lot of work to do uh, to to facilitate the annual meeting. A lot of people on the ground. And it continues to take a lot of service and people. But it just reminds me of all the work that everyone does. So yes. you'll have to the show this. Is, is a lot. Yeah, you'll have to show this to Bill next week. I will Because do. Will I do. won't be in the office, so. I won't either. We'll talk a little bit about that here in just a minute. But before we do that, resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Mine is called The Complicated Heart. It is a new book by Sarah May. Is that her full name or is she just like a one-name person? I don't really know. It's M-A-E. I've read books by her before, and I don't know if that's her last name or her middle name that she uses. I'm not really sure. Yeah, but it's a it's kind of a memoir and just talking about some of the relational challenges that uh, Sarah went through with her family and her home um, and how to process forgiveness, uh, specifically in relationship with her mother who suffered from alcoholism. So I have just ordered this book myself and I, I listened to Sarah's interview on Christine Hoover's podcast and really was touched. Like I said, I've read I've read a book by Sarah May before, but it was it, it it was something that was kind of focusing on a particular topic. I didn't know her her story, and so hearing it really just was was very touching. and And uh, I, I'm eager to read to read this book. So, like I said, it's been out for a few weeks. Published by B and H, and so we'll throw a link in the show notes to that. All right. Very cool. All right. Her husband's a woodworker, Amy. That sounds nice. And they have a yellow lab like you. Um, well, he's kind of, he's a golden retriever. It's a British golden. That's the same thing, right? No, it's not. Not Different the same? Dog. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, 
my resource of the week, the Behold the Lamb of God 20th Anniversary Edition. Amy, I'm quite excited about this. It's supposed to come in the mail today. I it am releases excited today. about this. Yes. I have had this pre-ordered for weeks, and I am really, really excited about this so one. So you're going to so start got, playing it now? Yes, because I have I have a, a strong no Christmas music before Thanksgiving rule, which right. I, I sim- somewhat bent the other day just because I was in a weird mood. But um, Behold the Lamb of God is not a Christmas album. That's true. It's a story for all year round. It's a story for for the entire year. Yes. Because it's 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 about Jesus throughout the Bible. So I I'm hardcore that Behold the Lamb of God is not a Christmas album and it can be played all year round. Well, I'm excited about this as well. It's hard to believe that it's the twentieth anniversary of Behold the Lamb of God. Yes. And uh you and I we, we talk about this I think every year around Christmas because of the the tour that comes with this. And uh, they're at the Ryman, and we, we've made it the, uh, the the video version of that available, uh, you know, as our resource of the week several times over the past few years. So seem to talk about it all the time. We're big Andrew Peterson fans, and I'm a big fan of this. I cannot wait. I've got, I think I've got the video coming as well, the DVD from last year's Ryman performance yes. as part of what I bought and a couple other things. So uh, I'm excited. So I, I bet you got the vinyl, didn't you? I, I do intend, I have the vinyl, not of the 20th anniversary, obviously, but I already have a vinyl of it. So yeah, I think I'll probably add that to my collection. All right. Well, that's cool. Saw something this week. Vinyl records outpaced CD sales for the first time since the 90s. Uh, you know, I believe year. it. I believe it. Yeah. Because it's, I love vinyl records because the sound is just great and it's just a great experience on how to listen to an album in its entirety. But, you know, as digital kind of outpaced CD sales, but then vinyl got, but but then vinyl kind of came back for a way that people want to listen to it. I'm not surprised at all. I've gotten quite an extensive vinyl collection and I'm, uh, this, I should go just start listening to vinyl records all day today, but. All right. Well, you do that. Highly recommend it. So I'm going to get some work done today, but. uh, Well, I am too, boss. Like, I'm, (laughs) I mean, I'll work while I'm listening to my vinyls. Okay, so, sounds good. Yes. All right, so next few weeks going to be a little busy uh, around SBC this week here. We've got state conventions. You're headed to Virginia and North Carolina. I'm yes. headed to Texas, uh, the, both Texas conventions, the BGCT as well as the SBTC. I'll be in Odessa on Monday for the SBTC, Monday and Tuesday of next week. And then I'm also headed to Louisiana and Ohio now. So wow. I've got... SBTC, Ohio, Louisiana, BGCT, in that order, the next four Monday, Tuesday combos. So Very busy. That's be yeah, fun. So, yeah, so Virginia and North Carolina are happening at the same time. So I'll be in Virginia on Monday and then North Carolina on Tuesday. So that will be enjoyable because Virginia is my former state convention and then North Carolina is my current state convention. And so it'll be fun to sort of experience both of those and with from a new vantage point with the executive committee. So, and you're speaking at the Virginia convention. Yes. So Keith and I are doing a breakout session together. And, uh, so we're, we're looking forward to that at homecoming. At homecoming. Yes. And, uh, I don't call it a convention. It's homecoming. That's right. And always have, they always have called it that. So, but is it really homecoming if there's no potluck? If I don't know if I remember correctly, when I had food there, it was really good. So maybe it is kind of potluck. Okay. From the caterers so. that do the luncheons. <laughs> the yeah. caterers do the potlucks. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So 
it, it it will be enjoyable because I have not been back to an SBCV homecoming since I guess I guess since 2009. So I will enjoy. Roanoke was always my favorite location for that. And I think that had more to do with the fact that when it was in Roanoke, I got to actually go away for a couple of nights and I was a young mom and like, you know, sleepless nights and I knew, ah, I'm going to get to have Those a couple two of nights, nights away. November, I get away. Right, right. So um, I I think that's why I liked it in Roanoke the, the best, but I enjoyed being, you know, the mountains there. So it'll be really good. All right. Well, a big week again in the life of the SBC. Congratulations to Dr. Adam W. Greenway on his inauguration. Uh, we're excited for him and our friends at Southwestern and everything that's going on over there. It is indeed a new day. And Amy, next week will be a new week. I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.